You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Tonight, I will be reading from Romans eleven thirty three through 12, 2. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Christina. Well, good evening. Welcome to Mercy View. If you are visiting with us this evening, my name is Brad, one of the pastors here. You have come on a very special night um, in the life of our church. Uh, We should just say it, right? Happy birthday, Mercy View. It's 10 years. And uh, yeah, you can do that. I remember vividly uh, 10 years ago uh, stepping into a smelly cafeteria in a school over in the Turner Park neighborhood with some of you uh, that are here even this evening and wondering who is going to show up today. We had done uh, all that we knew to do to try to get the word out. We had been actually for a about six months or so, been actually a little bit longer than six months, meeting in a couple different homes. Um, the Lord was bringing more people around the, the, the work and uh, seemed to be confirming the, the call that we felt to come here to Tulsa to plant Mercy View. And uh, Easter Sunday 2011 um, was a very special day for Mercy View because it really was uh, when we as a church to the wider community said, here we are, and invited them in to join us in this crazy journey that's taken us this far, 10 years uh, down the road. And one of the things that uh, I've thought about a lot in the last 10 years is if we get to this moment, what in the world do we talk about tonight? There's a lot of different ways we could go. A lot of different directions we could head, and one of the things that I was uh, really impressed upon by the Spirit uh, in the last few weeks was to really go back to our roots, and maybe even for some of you to answer a question that you've had, which is this, why are we called Mercy View? We get asked that question a lot, like, how did you come up with the name? What does the name mean? And so I want to do that for you this evening. I want to 
answer really that question of, of what you just heard Christina read. What does it mean for us to live in light of God's mercy? What does that have to do with the last 10 years? What does that have to do with the, where we're headed in the next decade and beyond? And, and why does it matter? And maybe even more pointedly, will that idea mark us for the next decade and beyond? And I also want to ask this too, how will it mark us? How will it mark us for the next 10 years? So let's jump in. For the past few weeks, actually, we have been in a series in the book of Romans. The first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is really the first half of the book. And um, as you look at those first 11 chapters, what you really have are Paul's words to us uh, lifting our eyes up to the, the majesty and the beauty and the grandeur of the grace of God. It is a highly doctrinal approach that Paul takes in the first 11 chapters of Romans. It's a very theological thing that he's doing. He's trying to put roots down very deeply to help us understand the, the deep things of God. You heard Ryan talk about that as he read from Romans 11, the mysterious even ways that the, that the, the way that God works in our lives to bring about redemption. And in these first 11 chapters, it's, it's all pointing to that. And you'll notice that tonight, the, the scripture reading, and actually it's so interesting, Ryan and I didn't talk about this before tonight, Ryan used the passage that I'm getting ready to talk about um, as a call to worship this evening. But as you look at the end of Romans 11, you'll, you'll see that we actually tonight read Romans, the end of Romans 11, into the beginning of Romans 12. And Romans 12, in many ways, is the beginning of the second half of Romans, which Paul does uh, something very different in the latter half of Romans. I just said in the first half of Romans, Paul is laying down these deep theological and doctrinal roots for us to really help our hearts and minds get wrapped around the, the, the way in which God's sovereignty and providence works its way out in salvation. But as he moves into the second half of Romans, what Paul begins to do is to say, um, I want you to take that theology, I want you to take that doctrine, and, and I want it to be more than just head knowledge. I want it to be more than just something that, that maybe transforms you on the inside. I actually want to see that theology begin to be worked out in your life, like out loud. So we could say in some respects that the first half of the book of Romans is doctrinal, but the second half of Romans is practical. And just just so you know, in the future, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time going through the first half of, of the book of Romans. We'll be in the series called Reign of Grace for a bit of time. And as we conclude that series, we'll actually move into the second half of Romans. We'll call it something different, a different series title, so that we can get our hearts and minds like moving towards what Paul is doing here in this transition from Romans 11 to Romans 12 to say, here is how I want you to begin to live out the grace of God in your life. And so tonight, we're just going to really briefly look at this transition that Paul makes between the doctrinal and the practical and why this matters on this momentous evening. So if you have your Bibles, keep them open to Romans chapter 11, beginning there in verse 33. So again, after spending 11 chapters shouting from the rooftops about God's great plan in the history of salvation, 
he concludes the first half of Romans 11 with, you heard Ryan say this earlier, with praise and with worship. Actually, you could describe what Paul does here at the end of verse 11 as a doxology. A doxology. You can maybe even notice how it looks differently in your Bible translation. In the ESV, the whole format begins to be very different. It, it looks like a song, right? Or a poem or something like that. And and what, what Paul is doing, what he's showing us is happening in his own heart as he reflects on the past 11 chapters of Romans that he wrote. It's, it's, it's causing him to break forth into praise, into worship. And, and, and he says, look, after looking at God's sovereign grace through Jesus in the first 11 chapters of, of, of Romans, I am overwhelmed with God's wisdom. I am overwhelmed with the way that he works in our lives. It's beyond my understanding, but I am so thankful for it that, that through God's mysterious and inscrutable ways, that God saves undeserving sinners. He brings them into a personal relationship with him, and I'm so overwhelmed by that. Naturally, I, I can't help but to praise God and to worship God. He's, he's saying, to us, friends, everything that happens in salvation only takes place through God and His grace. So Paul ends the first 11 chapters of Romans by lifting his eyes to the God of sovereign grace and says, praise be to God. Your ways are beyond human comprehension, but it is through this that your gift of grace is given to me, it's given to others, and this grace is from you and it's through you and it's to you and now our response is to bring you praise and honor and glory forevermore now paul could have ended romans right there it's a great place to end it i mean it's it's lofty it's majestic it's exalted but paul does something very interesting here he keeps writing Keeps writing for a, a, a few more chapters, another four. Why? Because Paul knew that if you stop here, that it's possible that the gospel of God can terminate in on itself when it becomes merely knowledge. When it becomes something merely that we maybe experience internally, but it doesn't move from that place out to others around us. Paul knew that this work of God was meant to not just be knowledge about God, but it was meant to be worked out in our lives practically. And in, in other words, the grace of God, yes, transforms us spiritually, but it is also meant to motivate us to live in a certain way. Christianity is not just a philosophical idea. It's not just a belief system. It's no less than those things, but it is a truth that is also meant to be lived out. And this brings us to Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you would look at that verse 1 again there in Romans 12, I want you to notice that this is more than a recommendation from Paul. 
Paul is not suggesting an idea here. He is saying, I am appealing to you based on what you have just heard in Romans 1 through, uh, Romans 1 through 11, that, that the mercies of God, which have been all over the place in those chapters, they are meant to motivate you to live in a certain way. And this phrase, the mercies of God, is what his appeal is based on. He's saying, I'm appealing to you based on the kindness and the grace and the mercy of God. In fact, I think in many ways what Paul is doing here, and he does this in, in other places in his writing in the New Testament, but in particular, the way in which Romans is structured, I think Paul is saying that this, friends, is the starting point of how you are to live a life grounded in the mercies of God. Paul is saying you are to uh, press everything through the grace of God, the mercy of God, the way that you think about the world, the way that you think about your relationships, your, your, your dating relationships, the way that you think about your marriages, the way that you think about your parenting, the way you think about your work. All of those things are, are meant to be viewed a certain way. There's a lens or a prism by which we are to look through those things. And Paul is saying here, that prism is the mercy of God. And a big view of a merciful God, Paul is saying, is the starting point for a life lived for God. It was his mercy. It was his calling. It was his kindness. It was his sacrifice that made your salvation possible. There is no forgiveness. There is no atonement. There is no eternal life apart from his mercy. Romans 12.1 is where the, the name of our church comes from. And you heard uh, Christina read it from the NIV, which is what I grew up on. And as Holly and I were thinking about what the Lord might want this church to be called, we actually went through a lot of names. We actually had a name that was around for a little bit. And then we started to share it with other people. And they're like, we don't understand what that means. And so it became very clear to us that wasn't going to work. And I was kind of frustrated by that because I thought it was a pretty cool name. And so we began to just talk some more and think, and I, I uh, in a time of prayer with the Lord, uh, was reminded of Romans 12, 1. And for whatever reason, in that time with the Lord, uh, I you know, this was when we were trying to figure out the church name, I, I just felt impressed that maybe uh, the name of the church could come from, from Romans 12, 1. That wasn't the aim of my prayer. I wasn't really praying, Lord, give, it, give me a name for a church. But as we were trying to do that, as I was praying, um, I began to think about this, this idea. In view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, and I thought, mercy, view. And it came together for me. And I don't really know, honestly, if I understood all that that name actually would come to mean. For us as a church. I've shared this with you before. Um, about 15 years ago, my wife and I were in the very beginning stages of our church planning journey. We were in a residency at a church in St. Louis. And I remember one Sunday sitting in that congregation and the pastor of that church getting up and we're there in the series in Colossians and he 
read through uh, the very first part of Colossians 1. And his big idea, his big theme that day, and he said it from the outset, is that the gospel is for Christians. I had never heard anything like that before. My view of the gospel was even in my own life, it was the door in, right? It was the gateway into a relationship with God. But I I didn't know that the gospel was also the path and the journey. And he began to explain the ways in which the gospel is meant to be lived out. And and it's what we go back to. It's it's the very thing that, that it's a power, right? You heard John talk about that a few weeks ago as we looked at uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17 is actually a power for the Christian by which we are to grow. And it, I had a little mini crisis of faith, honestly, because I, I hadn't really had a, a concept like that. Um, I'd been confronted with that. But can I just say to you how thankful I am that I was at least in that moment confronted with that because that particular idea marked me it marked our family, it, it marked our, our marriage, and we were in the beginning stages of trying to figure out what this church thing was going to look like. And it, it honestly, I tremble a little bit to think about building a, a, a philosophy of ministry, a theology, without that component in it. I am so grateful that as I think back over the last 10 years, that we have, by the Lord's just grace towards us and the Spirit's help, we have been a one-trick pony. We have, in many different ways, a hundred different ways, said one thing, and it's this. How are we going to live in light of the mercy of God in our lives, the grace of God? How are we going to view things through the lens of the mercy of God, whether it's been in our preaching whether it's been in the ministry that you all have been a part of, serving and and our MCs, I am so grateful for the way that the Lord has helped us do this very thing, to live in light of the mercy of God. But there is something more here that Paul is saying. I want you to look there with me at verse 1 again. It says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So in view of, of God's mercies, we are to do something. And there's, there's a couple of things that he says here. First, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul is driving something home here. Mercy and grace that you experience is meant to be lived out in the real world. Paul is calling us to connect the dots between the theological and the practical. And again, there's, there's some really amazing ideas here. What is it to mean to present ourselves? This is a command that is rooted in what God has done. In light of what he has done, the believer is to have a presenting mindset. We are always thinking of how we can uh, present ourselves uh, in a certain way in in honor of, of the Lord. And I do think, as Paul says, to present our bodies as living sacrifices, we want to be careful not to say this is merely the physical I think what Paul is getting at is to say it's all of us. It's, the, it's an all-encompassing idea, an all-encompassing obedience. It's heart, it's body, it's soul. The offering that we are to have is supposed to be complete and total. And then he talks about living sacrifices. 
pointing to the Old Testament sacrificial system. He is, he is saying that it, it's more than just being physically alive. In the context of the book of Romans, it means being spiritually alive as we lay our lives down as an offering to God for him to do what he will through us. When I think back over these last 10 years, I am overwhelmed with God's grace when I think about the people at Mercy View who have done this. The people that have sacrificed their time, energy, and resources to see a church, a new church, a brand new church planted in Tulsa, Oklahoma. From day one in that smelly cafeteria uh, in Turner Park to today. All the way to Calvary Baptist, our time there, to the to Wilson Teaching and Learning Academy, through weathering a, a global pandemic. We have seen the Lord work through the lives of his people here in this church in a sacrificial way to see a church planted and not only planted, but established in our city. I'm so grateful that I've had the privilege to journey with you in that. And our, my prayer is that we would continue to, to have that uh, attitude and that posture as, as a church that we would always be looking for ways to present our, our, our bodies as living sacrifices. But, but Paul finally says this, look with me at the last phrase there in verse 1, that all of this is a spiritual act of worship. It de- depends on what translation you're looking at. It says in the KJV, reasonable service, the NIV, true and proper worship. No matter what your translation is, the meaning of this phrase is connected to something that is reasonable or that fits. In other words, it is to say to God, God, I am yours in such a way that it makes sense how you live in light of God's mercy. So let's put this all together and wrap this up and then we'll go party. Romans 12.1 shows us the first step in the way that it means to apply the theology of Romans 1 through 11. In light of Romans 1 through 11, a follower of Jesus, a Mercy View partner, should live out their position in Christ by connecting their position in Christ with their practice through Christ. So, friends, as we celebrate our 10th anniversary uh, this evening, my prayer is that we would continue to live out the spirit of Romans 12.1 by saying to God, God, I am yours. And it, when we do that, it's more than a statement about a spiritual position. It is that. Again, it's no less than that. But it is also to affirm our allegiance to a particular way of living. To affirm, God, I am yours means that God has graced you with his mercy and that you belong to him and that every part of you belongs to him. And you are committed to living out that mercy in your life, in your individual life, in your family, and in this church. I want you to watch the screens as we watch a short video, just sort of reflecting on the last 10 years. You're going to see examples in this video of people who have said this very thing, I'm yours. They've played a part in seeing a church established here in Tulsa, which I'm so grateful. Let's watch this.
I get asked a lot about the future of Mercy View. Usually it goes like this. Hey, what is your vision for Mercy View in five years? 10 years from now, what do you want to see Mercy View look like? And while the strategies that I might share with those folks are always changing, I always find myself kind of saying the same thing. And I have really for the last 10 years. It's really no different than the time that we launched in that cafeteria at Turner Park neighborhood. Not a lot has actually changed. It's the gospel. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of of God. And really that is the value that sits underneath all of our values, everything that we do. But it is community. I can say with such joy, one of the things that I'm the most proud of uh, of our church here at Mercy View is that our community, the way that we share our lives with one another is real. And I see the seeds of that that were watered in the early days bearing fruit even today. And lastly, it's the mission of God. That is also an ever-evolving conversation and it's super challenging, but I'm so um, blessed to have been a part of what the Lord has done missionally through Mercy View, and I'm so excited about the future. So what I said on the video is is really where where I want to end tonight. The future, in many ways, is the past. The the future is going to look very different than the past, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about our future because it is bright. And the reason that it's bright is because Jesus is lighting the way with his mercy. He's inviting us to live within that mercy, to view everything through the lens of that mercy. Friends, if, if, if that's true, how could it be anything other than bright? So, will you continue to join us in this journey? To view and to live out the mercy of God in our lives in this church? The future is the past. The future is going to look very different in the, in the future. But in many ways, the future is now. Will you join us? Let's pray together.